Dear Heavenly Father, may the word of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you, Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Open our eyes so we might see you and come to know you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Because I grumble a lot, as many of you already know. Let me see. Uh, my dad often tells me this. Well, Aaron, if you are grumbling, then you are not giving thanks. Um, but hey, the title of the sermon clearly suggests to us that it's okay to grumble. So let me start with some grumbling. Um, well, think about grumbling. If you, can, if you can do it right now, what's the one biggest thing you want to grumble about? Just think about it. Uh, by the way, good morning. Forgot to say that, did I? It's good to see you all. Actually, I'll, I'll take that back. It's not so good to see you. You know, that person sitting over there and, and, and that, that girl over there, seeing them just, just made my day. And it's not, it's not a good morning after all, isn't it? It's, it's rainy and it's, it's dark. It's, it's a bit chilly in the church today. Oh, yesterday was so much warmer. And, and had I remembered about the daylight saving, I would have slept an hour extra and, and wouldn't end up coming to church so early today. Not to mention I've just missed the perfect opportunity to catch up on the Women's Rugby World Cup. It's quarterfinal this morning, England versus Australia, and um, USA versus Canada, big games. And then, you know, after I finish here and go home, and I would accidentally hear people telling me the results of the, the game. It wouldn't be as fun. <sighs> oh, I'm so sorry uh, for all the grumbling I've just grumbled about. Uh, Truly, truly, I'm so happy to see you all. You know, you know I was just messing around with you. Uh, did any of my grumbling change uh, your mood when I was grumbling? Uh, did, did I trigger some of your emotions? Uh, or did I kind of make you go with where I was going with my grumbling when I was grumbling? And have you noticed, I asked you earlier, what's the one thing you can grumble about? And then, it's just impossible to, to land on one thing, isn't it? When you start to think about some of the things you're not so happy with, and that just takes you to all the things that you, you can grumble about. It's just how our brain works. It's strange. But one thing we can be certain about is, uh, it's impossible to give thanks while you are grumbling. So when you're grumbling, you're not giving thanks. Simple as that. Uh, we've seen how God took the Israelites out of Egypt, how he led them through the Red Sea. Uh, he redeemed them from slavery. He redeemed, redeemed them from death. And he gave them new life. And that, that, was, that was the sermon from last week. Uh, the Israelites saw God do amazing things. Uh, pillar of fire that separated them from the mighty Egyptian army that came chasing after them. And then the sea opened up 
uh, and they walked through the sea on dry ground. It must have been a very spectacular uh, experience as they walked through the sea. They, they've got a walls of water on the left and on the right, and as they, as they walked through, they'd be like, ooh, it, it really feels scary with the water come down on, on us. So they walked through. The water didn't come down on them, but instead they, the water came down after they walked through on the Egyptian armies and wiped them all out. They walked through the sea safely. What an, ex an awesome experience they've, they've just experienced. They've just witnessed and seen the Lord's mighty hand at work. And we, and we read, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. Three days later, just three days, the people, um, oh, sorry, I turned it to silent instead of just. Three days later, the, the, the dial on the grumble meter went all the way up. What's happening there? Um, Claire read for us chapter 16, but our, our passage was way longer than, than that, you, so you know, know already. And between the three chapters, three stories of grumblings were recorded. Uh, it sounded like Israelites were happy to return to slavery rather than trusting God in the desert. What's, what's going on there? Um, the three stories reveal to us the dangers of grumbling and how that could turn the whole nation from trusting God uh, to, grumbling and, uh, to grumbling against God in just three days. So we'll look at them and try to figure out the solution and the antidote for the Israelites and for us. So firstly, we express our faith, our trust in God by crying out to God. I thought it would be fun to, um, to see how many times the word grumbled had occurred in the book of Exodus. So I went searching online. And then as I was searching, I got distracted by something very interesting. And I just knocked my socks off. Um, in English, we have different words that we could use to describe grumbling, like whining, mourning, murmuring, or complaining, etc. Uh, similarly, in, in Hebrew, um, which I'm not very good at, uh, in, in Hebrew, they also have different words for, for grumbling. But the word the, the author chose to use within these three chapters um, was a very strange word. It's actually to dwell, uh, to lodge, uh, to stay the night. So that was the, the word the author used for grumbling. Um, obviously, the word was used in a, a negative sense. So instead of being, being still, instead of finding their rest in God, the one who promised that he would look after them, uh, that he would provide for them, instead of letting God be their help, they allowed their mind to, to dwell on the negatives of what's lacking and, and what they don't see in front of their eyes. They grumbled. A few months ago, I watched a film called um, Don't Look Up. Without spoiling the film, 
basically, there's a comet orbiting within the solar system. And the problem was it's on a direct collision course with Earth. And as it gets closer and closer, you can see the comet with your bare physical eyes. But there were still people who chose to live in de denial. And they even started campaigning to, to get other people to, to join them. Don't look up. Don't look up. And just ignore the comet. They refused to simply just look up and see the comet that's getting bigger and bigger. You see, God, who was literally right there with them, and for, for their sake, uh, since day one, God led them with the pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. Something visible God provided for them right in front of their eyes. Something huge they can see um, as a proof of daily reminder that God is with them right there. Yet, instead of looking up, they looked at what's lacking in front of their eyes. No food, no water. And they were questioning in chapter 17, verse 7, is the Lord amongst us or not? What an insult. Suppose you were taking your children out to the heath for a walk, and you came prepared. You packed your rucksack full of food and water. And as you walked on, your children got hungry and thirsty. And they started to whine, and they grumbled against each other, against their, their siblings. They're saying, what's wrong with mom and dad? Didn't, didn't they know that we're hungry and thirsty? Were they taking us out here to kill us? Where are mom and dad? Are they even here? Do you see my point? You were right there with them. Instead of turning to God and crying out to him for help, they grumbled. And they grumbled against Moses, of which Moses told us in chapter 16, verses 7 and 8. Um, what it was, it, 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 it was the Lord they were, grumbling, they were actually grumbling against. Our God is the God who hears our cries. He heard the cries of Israelites in slavery, and he delivered them by sending Moses to take them out of Egypt. And then again, when they were blocked by the Red Sea uh, with Egyptian armies behind them, they cried out to the Lord. And the Lord heard their cries, and the Lord delivered them and took them through the Red Sea. So why, why don't they do that again? You see, instead of crying out to God, they, they now grumbled against Moses and Aaron. But Moses cried out to God instead on their behalf, asking God for help. And God responded to Moses and provided solutions. God is so happy for his people to cry out to him. He's right there. He's waiting for his people to look up, to turn to him and to seek him. Dad, we are tired, we're thirsty, we're hungry. Do you have some food for us? Do you have some water for us? Oh God, God, you have rescued us from the hands of 
of the Egyptians. Surely you can provide for us in the desert. See the difference? And do you believe that God loves us and he always knows what's in our best interest? Because if you don't, there's no way you can truly cry out to God like you mean it. We need to realize our lives depend on God to show up. And then if, if he doesn't, we, we're doomed. And when we learn to cry out to him because of all his promises, because of who he is, then in him, we can be secure and safe. So why grumble when we can cry out to him? Secondly, we express our trust in God by finding rest in him. What's, what's manna? Clear read to us the whole story of, of manna, manna gathering. A few years back, um, we as a family went to France to visit a missionary couple, uh, David and Catherine. Uh, they planted a church just outside of Paris uh, in the north. And we asked them what we could bring to them from the UK. And one of the things we brought was um, strop waffle. Hope I pronounced that pro pro uh, properly. <coughs> strop waffle. Uh, it's a well-known Dutch treat, but apparently it's a lot cheaper and more accessible here in the UK. Just go to a supermarket and you, you see. And when, when Davis saw the waffles, he said, Mana! <laughs> well, hopefully I just ruined your, your imagination of what mana is. Uh, according to David, it's the closest thing he could think of that resembled the taste of manna, described in Exodus chapter 16. And I'll let you be the judge after you eat the, the, the waffles, the drop of waffles. Um, God is such a gracious God. Even though the Israelites were grumbling against God, not crying out to God, God still hears their grumbling and still provided for them. Even though they totally did, didn't deserve any of it. After responding to their grumbling in chapter 15, God gave them an, an if. Um, in chapter 15, verse 26. If you listen carefully and do what is right, if you, if you pay attention to, to his commands and keep his decrees, none of those things that happened to the Egyptians will happen to you because I am the Lord who heals you. Then straight away in chapter 16, they failed their first test. They outright accused God for bringing them out of Egypt into the desert to kill them, basically making God's salvation the opposite of what it is. You see, complaining about being saved implies they want to go back to Egypt, to which the Lord basically says to them, do you really want to go back to to those plagues, let me utterly take care of you. God was still so gentle with them. Instead of being angry, God gives them food from heaven. Verse 4. In order to test their obedience. But test how? By requiring them to obey Sabbath and how they collect manna. Verse 5. And the result is that they will know that it was God 
who has brought them out of Egypt. Verse 6. That is, they will know what salvation means. It's life, not death, as they described back in verse 3. I think it's worth digging into the term Sabbath a little bit. Uh, see, the idea of um, Sabbath rest first come from Genesis chapter 2. So after God created heaven and earth, after he created everything, he rested on the seventh day. But this term, Sabbath, was first mentioned in Exodus chapter 16. And, and that's thousands of years after the creation. God, God made Sabbath for the Israelites. Enjoying, enjoy with me the rest and peace and fullness I've enjoyed since the beginning. Don't think blessing comes from you slaving away like what you used to back in Egypt. I don't know how each of you uh, keep your Sabbath or, or don't keep your Sabbath. I, I don't even care. Um, and I will argue with you about how Sabbath keeping only become a law after, after this, like way after when, when um, God gave them the Ten Commandments. And I won't argue with you how later in, in, in the New Testament, in Hebrew chapter 4, we were told that Jesus had fulfilled all the laws. So technically, we don't have to keep Sabbath. Um, and, and also, you, you probably have noticed that we are meeting on Sunday, Sundays now, not, not on the Sabbath day, which is Saturday. So I don't, I don't want to go, go into any of that. What I want, want us to focus on is the, the rest God wanted his people to experience. He wanted his people to know that if he commands it, he will follow through. He wanted his people to daily come to him and trusting him to come through with his promises. And so if he says he will provide enough for each day and double portion on the sixth day, he would do what he said he would do. Uh, so when Jesus talked about the manna, he told people that it was the bread given by God from heaven. And Jesus referred to himself as the true bread of God, which gives life to the world. Then Jesus described himself, he described to them that I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Um, a friend of my dad told, told us the story, his story. Um, after he became a Christian, that's a while back, he, he then began to re read the Bible. He, he was to, to, get, to get his daily bread, his daily feeding from the Word. And as he, he came to Exodus chapter 16, he was challenged by it. Because he was so used to work seven days a week. That's just how things were. You know, Asians, we, we work so hard, we work seven days a week. And Sunday was actually the day he gets most of his customers. And so that's the day he, he makes most of the money. That's no-brainer. He just got to work on Sunday. But then, you know, after he became a Christian, he, he thought he wanted to honor the Lord. And as a young Christian, the, 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 the only way he, he knew how to honor the Lord was to 
come to the church on Sunday to worship God with um, other believers together. So he made the decision to, to stop working on Sunday and just come to the church. And the strangest thing had happened. Um, he told us, by setting Sundays aside to honor the Lord, he didn't make any less money than when he was working seven days a week. Uh, but now he gets a day off each week and 52 days a year. And he got to experience God's faithful, faithfulness. How cool was that? Uh, have you been coming to the one who gives bread from heaven? Each day, he gives bread from heaven. And trusting him that he would provide for all our needs, both physically and spiritually. Once again, when, when we acknowledge that God loves us and, and he would utterly take care of us, he could, we, we could then put our trust in him and find rest in him instead of grumbling. Finally, the last point you've all been waiting for. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Funny how places are named. You know, we, we, we got rugby, and so you have rugby's. Rugby bowls. I love rugby. Uh, in New Zealand, um, on the east coast of North Island, there's a place called Cape Kidnappers. It was named after a Maori attempted to kidnap a crew from Captain Cook's ship, HMS Endeavour. In Exodus chapter 15, we have Mara. And NIV Bible helpfully gave us the footnote telling us it's, it means bitter. And then in, in chapter 17, we have Massa and Meribah, testing and quarreling. What do we know? The Israelites grumbled again. This time, they escalated it to the point where, where Moses felt his life was in danger. Had he not come to God sooner, according to him, he would have been stoned to death. So Moses cried out to God again, and God responded. This time, God responded in a very unique and strange way. He arranged a trial hearing in a courtroom. So on the prosecution side, we have the elders representing the Israelites, accusing God for bringing them out of Egypt to starve them to, to death, to death. To, um, to make them and their children and livestock die of thirst. And they were accusing God for neglecting them. Verse 7, is the Lord amongst us or not? Then on the other side of the court, we have God as the defendant himself, representing himself. He said, I will stand here, I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. And in the middle, we have Moses holding on to the staff. Verse 5 reminded us that this is the very staff that brought the judgment to the Egyptians. And we all know that the Israelites were making false accusations. They were the true guilty party, deserved to be punished. And we know that God is innocent and deserves to be vindicated. But God tells Moses, strike the rock. 
Here comes the most dramatic moment. Moses' staff landed on where God was standing. The judgment fell on God himself. The rock took the punishment of their disobedience and their sins. That's huge. The rock took the judgment that the Israelites deserved. The rock was broken. And as a result, blessing flows to the people as the water come out from the rock to quench their thirst. Now, Apostle Paul uh, says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, that rock was Christ. What happened at Massah and Meribah was a picture of the cross. It served as a pointer to the cross. At the cross, we see another, another court case. On, on one side, we have the guilty humanity deserving condemnation. On the other side, Christ the rock, the perfect sinless son of God. And God the Father said, strike the rock. The staff of his judgment fell on Jesus. Jesus is the rock who bears our judgment and satisfies, satisfied God's justice. His body was broken for us so that we might be healed. Jesus also said in a very loud voice, just in case people didn't hear him the first time, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, in me as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from, him within, with, with, flow from within him. Only this time, the water is symbolic. Jesus was talking about his own spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. The life-giving rock himself will be with us, and we will never thirst again, and our guilt is removed. What kind of God is that? who loved us so much to a point where he was willing to take um, our punishment for us. What pain God had to bear as he gave his only son Jesus to receive the blow of judgment we deserve on our behalf. But I wouldn't have known any of that if I chose not to come to the rock that gives water. We have to choose to drink from Jesus the rock or we could continue to grumble and to die in thirst. Our choice. The thing I grumbled about at the beginning were little things, and probably were like nothing compared, compared to some of the hardships you're going through right now. And there are some far bigger and worse things that some of you might be facing that we can't even comprehend. But often, this is how God allows us to learn the life of faith, by sending us to the desert. God sends us to a hard place, where we don't have the same resources we used to have, where we go hungry and have to sleep under the stars, and life is so hard. Just imagine, what might that look like? What might look different? if we choose to cry out to God instead of grumbling? What does it look like for you to find rest in God, especially knowing that he would utterly take care of you?
And instead of grumbling, you choose to come to Jesus, the rock, and drink from him by believing in him and his promises. If he has spoken to you in any ways from our passage today, uh, may I invite you to pray in your heart to respond to him. I'll close us in prayer after a moment of reflection. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that you are the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, but abounding in love and faithfulness. We're sorry for the times we have not put our trust in you, but instead we grumbled against you. Help us to daily come to you, our Lord, our Maker, for you are our God and we are the people of your pasture, the flock under your care. Please also help us to remember that we do not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from your mouth, O oh Lord. Help us to choose life, not death. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, the rock of our salvation, we pray. Amen.